Welcome to Nerd Capsule, where we safeguard the things we cherish for the future geek generation. Please welcome your host, Andreas Splash Kiriakou and his very special guest. Welcome to the Nerd Capsule, the podcast where we're creating the planet's first time capsule, wholly dedicated to relics from nerd culture history. I'm your host, filmmaker Andreas Splash Kiriakou, and together with my wonderful guests, we'll handpick in each episode two recommendations in five categories to include from a single year and hopefully safeguard for future nerds to devour. Nerd Capsule is recorded at Black Lemon TV and co-produced with Gigodobo's collaborative Hive and Splash Screen Entertainment. First of all, I want to apologize to our um, um, to our listeners who haven't done an episode for almost uh, two months now. I haven't been lazy. I've been doing other stuff, but I'm going to try to be to be more um, uh, up to date from here on. Try to at least do one every two uh, weeks. Uh, and for those who are uh, tuning in for the first time ever, uh, Nerd Podcast, as you have already heard in the pre-roll, is the sort of a preservation of holy relics uh, from nerd culture. Uh, and we're still in the decade of the 1980s. And sometime in 2040, we're probably going to go into the 90s as well if we keep up uh, doing episodes in this pace. I love how you just said, uh, <laughs> for those of you who are tuning in, as if you're talking to people who are next to a big ass radio, yeah. tuning into BBC uh, to hear the news. Yeah, but, you know, podcasting is the new radio, isn't it? These are the news in BBC. These are the news. Uh, today, German we... artillery today bombed in London. The, the beautiful uh, deep voice uh, you're listening to uh, is today's co-host, Costandinos uh, Psilidis. Uh, it, it is I. It is him. He's, and this is not an, or, or, an overstatement. He's probably the most uh, popular podcaster uh, in, in Cyprus. So if you know some Greek and you want to know more about history, his, post, his podcast Historicon is, or at least it was uh, number two on uh, Spotify's uh, top 10 list, right? Just after Joe Rogan's uh, yes. podcast for the region. Can you tell us a little bit more about Historicon before we dive in well, into this uh, episode's Nerd Capsule, Mr. Well, Psilidis? First of all, if you know a bit uh, if you know some Greek, it's going to be very fucking difficult <laughs> to understand what's going well, on. Uh, the show, look, look, I'm not okay. saying this because I'm, I'm, I'm co-producing the show together with uh, my <laughs> colleague Andreas Filaktu, but it's it's one of the most uh, entertaining podcasts in the Greek language. So if, even if you know very few Greek, I think, you know... Is this my own home? <laughs> Let me toot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. why not? Why not? At least we're honest about it, right? Yes. Well, it was number two in uh, in Cyprus on Spotify, um, just below Joe Rogan. Um, other podcasts have since... Um, went over Historicon, but this is because we haven't put, uh, we have been on a hiatus for a month. So I could take a, a very, very much needed break. Uh, so yeah, we took a break for a month, but we are back now, new episodes, and they're going to, they're going to be releases on a weekly basis this time, not bi-weekly. Can't wait, can't wait for, yes. 
for Mr. Joe Rogan to eat our halloumi. Yes. Uh, <laughs> while new historical <laughs> episodes are, are coming out on a weekly uh, basis. Can't wait it's for that. It's very nice to be here, Mr. Splash. And it's very nice to be the co-host and not be concerned <laughs> at all with what's going to happen. It's well, amazing. Okay, that's that's good news uh, for you, <laughs> mostly. Excellent. Uh, and uh, I've told you... I've I've told you in the past that uh, you were a big part uh, of my inspiration to start this podcast. I mean, seeing you innovating in the format, uh, it, it, it started me going. So I wanted to try my hands. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not sure how, for how long I'm going to keep on doing it. It's I'm not as persistent nice. as you <laughs> or as it, meticulous, but I'm going to try. It's nice. It's something to you know keep staving off the inevitable... Um, uh, the you're the inevitable erase of your existence that's looming yeah, over the horizon. Yeah. I actually did a, <laughs> I did a post on Facebook about this today about one one uh, a particular nightmare that comes back and back and back every every few months. About it's basically about the end of the world. I wake up, the Earth is uh, uh, it, it gets disconnected from uh, the sun's uh, gravitational pull. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> So the Earth is is, is slowly but steadily uh, leaving Jesus. the solar system, and I wake up, and everything is you know going to hell, and you know all, all gravity and all the laws the, are going to hell. F- why are your and, dreams directed by uh, Stanley Kubrick <laughs> and have a budget like Marvel movies? What the fuck? Yeah, man, I know. <laughs> are we the only ones who dream of tits? You do? <laughs> Jesus. What is that? Okay, let me then tell you a funny Facebook story mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. today, since yours is depressing as fuck. <laughs> I was scrolling through my uh, Facebook, and I came across uh, a stand-up comedy festival that's mm. uh, going to take place in Larnaca on June the 20th. And I was like, oh, this looks really nice. Um, I wonder how much it is. And like, okay, 10 euros, that's nice, that's nice. Well, who's on the lineup? And I said, oh, it's George Giriago, Zahari Zanetu, Pavlos Pavlidis, Kostanios Silidis, Elena Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> that's my name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you, you tend to forget some. Yes, uh, some I, I, so I tend to forget <laughs> shit. <laughs> When is that? Okay. Uh, June the 20th. June the 20th. So if you're in holidays in Cyprus, and it's in Greek, right? It's in Greek. It has a great name, mm. though. It's called Scalifornia. Scalifornia. Scala is, 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 is the nickname of the seaside town of Larnaca, where this is taking place for all you foreign listeners. So, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll try and, and make it and uh, spread the word. Good luck with that, uh, Mr. Thank you very much. Silides. Shall we dive yes. in? Into shall, we, the... shall we open the capsule? Yes, let's. Cue sound effect. Let me, I need to know if <laughs> I need to make the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've, have, you, have you ever, um, let's start with a, with, a, with a question. Have you ever um, participated in a time capsule project? Uh, no, but I know what it is. Not even in school. No, I didn't. Did, I didn't do that. I I, I fell asleep in school. <laughs> I barely remember school. I shit you not. I was mostly asleep all the time. I remember it very well, my friend, because I've, I was bullied every day. But uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Especially in high school, uh, I, I sort of erased a lot of things from my memory. So see, people didn't bully me because most of the because you were big. <laughs> No, 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 no. Scared of you? <laughs> Most of the people that went to school with me don't even remember I was there. 
Like, Whoa. seriously. And you were saying I was depressed. <laughs> I, it's not something like, I was like, I, I never liked school. I hated, I hated waking up in, in the morning to go to school. And I, I, I literally just sat in my corner. I was like, you know what? This is not going to work for me. You don't need me to, you don't need me to do this. Just leave me the fuck alone. I'll leave you the fuck alone. And everyone's happy. Counting the days. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, today's year is 1982. Yes, may sir. I ask when were you born? Uh, what year were you born? 1980. Hmm, okay, so you may probably you don't have memories from 1982, but you have seen, read, or heard a lot of the stuff we're going to talk of about course, today because you're an 80s child, just like me, an early 90s child. So the 80s, the pop culture 80s, I was a big an, thing for I us. I am an 80s child. I was raised on neon lights and cocaine. <laughs> And Miami Vice. And Miami, <laughs> Miami fucking Vice. There you go. So, Sonny um, and wh- who, what was the name of the other guy? Tubbs. <laughs> yes. Sonny and Tubbs, right? Sonny and Tubbs. <laughs> I am a legend. Yes. So let me just give you um, uh, the year in a nutshell before we dive into, okay. into the various topics that we're going to discuss and pick up um, uh, things to throw inside the nerd capsule. Uh, so in the U.S., Uh, the breakup of the AT&T monopoly was ordered during January of 1982. The U.S. government uh, governs deal with the AT&T Corporation uh, stated that AT&T would give up control of the belt system uh, that had owned most of the telephone services in the United States and Canada since the 1940s. So there was, there, was, there was a telecommunication monopoly yeah, in a way until 1982. Doesn't AT&T now... Own everything again. <laughs> Basically owns everything that isn't owned by Disney. In a way, yeah. yeah. yeah so that went well. Uh, and the breakup uh, of the Bell system officially became effective two years later in 1984 when it was split into seven different independent uh, regional uh, Bell operating companies, uh, informally known as Baby Bells. <laughs> like Baby Boomers, I guess. Those were the Baby Baby Bells. Baby Bells sounds like a... Strip club. It does. It does. I, I, that was my first thought <laughs> as well. But this is the 80s. So the, yeah, sure. Yeah, they, love, they love strip joints and cocaine, as you've mentioned before. In neon. neon. In neon, of course. Everything, everything's in neon uh, lights. Um, so Queen Elizabeth II and Prime Minister uh, Pierre Trudeau signed the proclamation of the Constitution uh, Act in Canada during April. The Canada Act, uh, as it was known, finalized the patriation process that had been ongoing in Canada for years, resulting in the establishment of full sovereignty and independence of the nation. Here, Trudeau is the father of yes. Justin Trudeau, right? Yes. Yeah, he's so the, it runs in the family. Yeah, he's the competent one, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> Justin Trudeau, he might be a very likable guy, not that you know, he, good. He, he, he doesn't need to do much, though, right? Because Canada has a pretty solid system. It has its problems. It's not... The, yeah, the, the paradise that people think, but it's not the US. <laughs> like it's yeah, that's at least a, 20 years ahead of the US. That's in a, a good very way. low bar. And like yeah, it is. It is Canada is, is nice, but you know, fucking cold, and they have mooses and shit. And um, over in Argentina, they invade the Falklands, uh, the Falkland Islands on March 19th, mm. and the UK sends the Royal Navy, the Air uh, RAF, the RAF, and the Army, and retakes possession of the Falkland Islands during the conflict. Uh, Argentina exocet missile sinks the HMS Sheffield on May 4th 
and the nuclear submarine HMS Conqueror sinks the Argentina, Argentine uh, cruiser General Belgrano. Argentina surrenders on June 14th. Uh, that went well for Argentina. Yes, uh, <laughs> let us uh, stop here to give our warm, um, uh, well, not farewell, but to say hi to um, Prime Minister Thatcher. Oh yeah, she did, she did play an important, uh, yes, she, it was a major decision that she took. Yes, uh, yes, uh, I hear it's very nice in hell this time <laughs> of the year, and, and where I, she most definitely is. Did you watch the latest season of The Crown? Yes. Remember the Falklands episode? Oh I remember. God. Okay, for some reason, Amazing stuff. Some, from some, for some reason, people say Gillian Anderson portrayal of Thatcher was good. I found it so over the top, it should be on Everest. I, I, I think it was approached uh, as a sarcastic or ironic I depiction. I do not if, think if, so. If, if, if you look at it like that, it works. Yes, yes. It's the only way that works if she was trying to make fun of her. <laughs> But you know, smarter people than me said that it's a amazing series. Though. Amazing and I'm like, series, you know, though. lay off the drugs. Uh, and over in France, a wave of terrorist uh, attacks happened by Carlos the Jackal. Yes, Carlos the Jackal. I want to see a historic episode about Carlos the uh, Jackal. I don't know if it's, it's something that interests you. Well, the problem is, uh, if I do something about Carlos the Jackal, it has to. It will have to do with the CIA. Ah, I want to hear. I want to listen to because it's mostly CIA thing. And something that actually we're moving into something that feels like it happened yesterday. Uh, for you listeners out there, we're recording this on the second of June, uh, two thousand twenty-one. If you're listening in the far future, and uh, back in nineteen eighty-two, Israeli forces invade Lebanon, mm. and Israeli returns Sinai to Egypt. And on that part of the world, Yasser Arafat, Yasser Arafat is elected the president of the Palestinian National Council. Not much has changed. <laughs> yes, and we did, we did an episode on historical that has to do with this. Yes, the murder of uh, the murder of Yusuf Senpai, who was an Egyptian um, government official and was a friend of the Prime Minister of Egypt. He was murdered because he supported the Egypt Israel. Uh, agreement to return the Sinai um, mm -hmm. territories. And he was murdered right here in good old, good old Cyprus. Yes, Cyprus, which is in the middle of, between Europe and the Middle East. We're basically Middle Eastern island pretending to be European. <laughs> yes, pretending to be European. It's very on point. Uh, and the largest cash robbery in history occurs in New York when $9,800,000 is stolen from an armored car. Uh, and the first issue of USA Today is published. The Disney Futuristic Park Epcot Experimental Community of Tomorrow is opened. Have you been to Disneyland? I've been outside. Oh, <laughs> outside. I didn't go in. <laughs> what, in the US or, or no, in Paris? No, in the US. I didn't have, I didn't, if I had a day, one day more I would go, but I, I opted to go to um, <laughs> SeaWorld. <laughs> Uh, Universal ah, Studios. Universal, yeah, it's more adult. Universal, Universal Studios. Park I is went more into adult. a SeaWorld like um, uh, thing. It was like an island. It was like a thing that's supposed to be like a tropical island, mm -hmm. and you know, has it had like you know dolphins and shit. Anyway, doesn't matter. And uh, Laker Airways, Laker Airways. Yeah, you have that right. 
nothing to do with the basketball team, is the first of the low-cost airlines operating out of the UK. Cool. So if you hate EasyJet, Ryanair, <laughs> you know, you have to go back to Laker Airways and see why they... They stole that model from. Hey, them. if you hate Ryanair, you probably uh, you probably took a flight on it. <laughs> True, and doctors performed the first implant of a permanent artificial heart designed by Robert Jarvik. Okay, I'm gonna need you to do to say that again, Robert Jarvik. No, no, no. <laughs> what did they implant? It? Doctors performed the first implant of a permanent artificial heart. Uh-huh. Okay. Designed by Robert. Now Garvey. it makes much more sense because I heard hat. And I'm like, that's, that, that's not good. So in essence, we have the first bionic man. Oh, cool. Right? The, yeah. the $6 million man. Oh, what a show. We have the technology. <laughs> we and, can rebuild him. And um, uh, the last trivia, just to set the tone of the year, around 700,000 demonstrators gathered in New York City's Central Park uh, protesting the proliferation of nuclear uh, weapons. Yeah, well, that went well. Yeah, that's one, one more thing in the list that hasn't been resolved yet. We still have nuclear weapons. Yeah, all right, let's move okay, on. Okay, so this is 1982 yes, as far that's... as politics uh, and uh, major history events. Fuck uh, politics, goes. let's go to the good L- stuff. Let's go to pop culture now. Yes. Right? The important stuff, the stuff that sticks. <laughs> And influences people and changes yes, people's sir. perceptions and minds and hearts, artificial hearts, as it seems. Ooh, hello. <laughs> so uh, I always like to start this section of the podcast with the um, with the, with uh, the highest chart positions uh, in in singles for 1982. Okay. Uh, to, you know, to to learn more about what people are listening to, you know, what is playing in, okay. in, in the radio, what are play, uh, people copying uh, on cassettes uh, to listen again, and again. Red Balloons, is it? <laughs> no, I, I think Red Balloons came a little bit later. Uh, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor Ooh, is the number one yes. song of the year. Yes. Uh, even if you haven't watched the Rocky film. Because Rocky you know came out in 1982. Rocky three. Yeah, Rocky three. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in num- the number two spot is um, uh, is Men at Work Down Under. Of course, it is another classic. Number three, uh, Joan Jett uh, and the Black Hearts. I love rock and roll. Another you know steady uh, radio uh, hit. Listen to it today. Jett is a fucking legend, and yes. she doesn't get enough recognition. We should say that. Joan Jett is a fucking legend. She needs more people to recognize true, her. True, true. Like she needs her spot in the pantheon. I love that song. I've made sex to that song, my friend. I did not need to know that. I did not need to know that because from now on, whenever I hear I love Okinawa, I will picture you having sex and that's not good for my mental health. Thank you for destroying that song for me. Note to self, don't delete this part. Yes, oh, uh, at number four is, I don't it know. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Nothing matters anymore. Nothing matters. Oh, that's a, that's a good pun. Uh, at number four is uh, Dex's Midnight Runners with uh, Come On, Eileen. El- 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 yeah, yeah. I, I masturbated furiously oh, to this song. Oh, no. <laughs> Just so you know. Oh, no, but it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and at number five, uh, Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, Ebony and Ivory. Ivory, uh, yes. Uh, I see what you did there. Thank you. 
<laughs> you see? It, 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 there's a plan. <laughs> Unlike Stevie Wonder, I saw what you did there. Oh, sorry, sorry, Stevie. Sorry. That's what you get when you have a stand-up comedian on your show. Uh, and another interesting piece of music trivia, Thriller, the sixth studio album by American singer Michael Jackson, is released on November 30th, 1982. Excellent. Now, whatever, whatever you think about Michael Jackson, because well, I can, I can, public opinion has changed. I can tell That's you. That's one thing that has changed. I can, <laughs> I can tell you that much. Someone masturbated to that song oh, and he was probably underage. No. <laughs> Sorry, world. Sorry, internet. Hey, you know what? There's a documentary. It's four hours long. Just watch what? it. I, I, I barely... I. I barely go, went beyond uh, the first part. I cannot I had nightmares, listen my I had nightmares. to another. Like Post-apocalyptic I, nightmares. I get that. people who like Michael Jackson songs still. Okay. Like, they're nice. <laughs> I don't have a problem with people liking Michael Jackson. But for me personally, I, I, I just like, whenever I listen to one of his songs, oh my God, this is like, yeah. like uh, oh, I'm in that phase my, myself. I can't listen to any of his stuff. Like, but what I can guarantee is that um, uh, the Thriller video clip directed by John Landis of American Werewolf in London, fame, and Blues Brothers, it's one of the best video clips ever made. Yeah. The it is. It is. I, that, we cannot deny yeah, that. Yeah, but... It's see, a movie on two. I, so. have a, I have a problem with that video. <gasps> What's your problem with that? The ending where his eyes... Like, oh, well, where in the cinema he turns to yeah, like And the eyes like slightly off-center. Well, it's, it's a B-movie moment, let's yes. say. Yes. Yeah, the problem is okay. Listen, I when I was a kid, I did like huge puzzles. Okay, that was my thing. One of those my, five thousand pieces sets. Yes, yeah. actually, we well, we did smaller ones, but we did a five thousand piece one, which um, it was it was a painting of the battle of a naval battle. I don't remember which one, but just imagine, it's like the sky. Then two boats fighting, and I mean it was an oil painting, and then the Black Sea, and the the and the two boats. Hell on earth, ladies and gentlemen. And the two boats were like in in uh, orange oh, color. Fuck. You could not like a piece could go a million places, and there were just parts that it was like black. How long did it take you? It to- took us months to do it. Yeah, but. Once we did it, my father went out, he framed it, which nice. I must have cost a fortune to do. And he gave it to me as a present to hang oh, it in my room. Nice. Yeah, the problem is that one day I noticed Please that don't tell me you masturbated. One of the, no. <laughs> no, but I should. No. One of the pieces was slightly of color. Slightly. If I took you to if I told you to look at the thing for a million years. You probably never, you probably never see it, and I just saw it one day. And whenever I opened my door, my eye would and like went straight to that piece, and it annoyed me so much, I threw it away. Oh no! Yes, why, my friend? Because it had some emotional annoyed value. me. It was so annoying. Ima- so imagine annoying. that it was a dead pixel on the screen. It, it the literally people. was a dead pixel, and it wasn't even a dead pixel. A slightly discolored pixel. Mm. I, f- I feel you. I suffer from uh, mild OCD myself. Like it's not OCD. It's like being a dick. <laughs> so, Mr. Uh, Costandino. Yes, sir. It's time to put the first um, pick 
in the time capsule, which is the first category, it's miscellaneous. Yes, sir. So you can choose from anything I've just mentioned, which is not part of the main category, which is movies, video games, books, etc., or something that's of importance for you for you from the year 1982. So this is this is a free run. Okay, I'm going to. You can put anything you want in the time capsule, even a human being. Oh, it's, it's so uh, okay. Because I want to do this like category by category. I'm gonna go with Eye of the Tiger. It needs to be there. It needs to be there. It was my it's, choice as well. It's culturally so it's significant. It's still um, people still listen to it today. Putting it in a movie today is probably equally to a, equal to a crime. It's like putting in Fortunate Son when you talk about Vietnam. Like. Ooh, fuck you. And it's a piece of music that has grown bigger than the movie that it was intent made for. Bigger than the movie? Dude, it's bigger than the movie. Bigger than the movie. If bigger... I ask you now, do you remember the plot of Rocky Three? You're probably gonna, it's going to take you a few minutes Dude, to it, recall it, okay. but you know the song. Okay, it was like Mr. T and uh, Sylvester Stallone, and they were punching. <laughs> that's, that's basically And it. Apollo Creed was training uh, Rocky, which is for me the the most important plot point of the film. I completely forgot that. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, he punches stuff. Like, <laughs> he punches stuff. People are like, oh, let's, Adrian! <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's analyze the cultural significance. Like, oh, dude, he punches shit. Like, the, the first Rocky, though, it's a pretty interesting drama. It's not like the other 500 It has a sequels. great story. Yeah, the first yeah story it's an underdog story. Yeah, and it's, no, but it's a true underdog story. Yeah, because it it's was, basically him. <laughs> yeah, because it's, people don't know Stallone. that. Sylvester Stallone wrote um, uh, Rocky. Rocky, and he won an Oscar yeah, for it. He hasn't written anything as good since, though. Doesn't <laughs> or matter. Or anything at all, I think. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He took it to every single movie studio. Yeah. Everyone told him. He got him, rejected from everybody? No. It's an indie movie, actually. Everyone told him that he's not to fit to be an actor he's like fuck you and he went he did the movie he said like fuck you guys he did the movie he it was one of the highest grossing movies of the year okay and he won an Oscar for it and that's yeah. the biggest fuck you that, that that's why right. I always you know um, like I have respect for Stallone just for this when I go to let's say when I visit uh, film markets or festivals and I'm there for work and I have to pitch like on a pitching forum or something I always say that Rocky is my spirit. And before I go on stage, I try to remember, uh, you know, what Rocky went through in the original film. Fuck motivational uh, yeah. speakers. Like, yeah, it's, fuck, it's those images. It's not even... Fuck self-help books. Take your example from Sylvester fucking Stallone. The guy believed in the thing, invested in it, went and did it. Boom. And legend. Here. And so the Eye of the Tiger, the hit single by Survivor... Is going into the nerd capsule see, I thought it for was, infinity. See, I thought it was Europe, the band. No, no Europe, it's final the, countdown. Yeah, yeah. See? Which which is like a copy, copy paste song. Yeah, right? it's Same those kind of song. like rhythmic epics. Yeah. Uh, great. So let's go to the next category. Yes, sir. TV shows. Ooh. So here's some trivia about the year 1982 and TV shows. Um, The show's Cheers... Cheers started in 1982. Started in 1982. Knight Rider. Oh. Family Ties. Yes, that I knew. St. Elsewhere. Mm. Allo, allo. 
the Brits uh, World War II comedy? No. It was taking place in a French restaurant in occupied Paris. Really? It sounds If like you haven't watched it, it's it's, it's a must. It, 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 it gives off a Faulty Towers vibe. Fame, which was based on the musical, oh, yeah. the movie, uh, a TV series came out in 1982. TJ Hooker, starring Captain Kirk himself. Yeah, William did, Shatner. Did, did TJ Hooker play in Cyprus? He pro- probably did. I mean, it was a pretty popular show. It it, it went from 1982 till 1986. And it man. and it was the comeback of William Shatner, basically. And um, in the case of William Shatner, it was probably come on someone's back. <laughs> Remington Steel with Pierce Brunson, which no. is it's the TV show that sort of... Uh, won him basically the James Bond role because he was playing a detective in that one. Uh, it's pretty similar character. Okay. Uh, with, I cannot imagine Pierce Brunson playing James Bond without Remington Steel. So okay. That's probably uh-huh. why he got the role. Good. Uh, Good the Young you. Ones, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. Do you know The Young Ones? Yeah, I know. Three yeah, uh, rockers who all live together in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this pretty famous episode where Motorhead breaking through the wall and have a guest appearance. Uh, Police Squad, which later, of course, Isn't got adapted into a series Leslie of movies. Ne- yeah, Les- ne- Leslie, Leslie Nielsen, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you if you know Naked Gun, uh, Dude, Police yeah. Squad is sort of the prequel to that, I guess. It's the TV show that brought us Naked Gun Airplane, afterwards. Airplane, man. Airplane. I'm going to get back to airplanes. Okay, keep, keep that thought. Okay. Keep, keep that All thought. Right. When we go to the movie section. Uh, Brookside, which is a popular UK drama. And Blackadder Fuck yeah. premiered in 1982. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to discuss Blackadder. Blackadder is the answer to people who say that Rowan Atkinson oh, can't do comedy. He's a genius. He's a genius. Like, Blackadder is, uh, uh, Rowan Atkinson is a comedic genius. But when he did Mr. Bean, he found an easy way. <laughs> Dude. He didn't have to work again he's in his like, life. He, his uh, his dilemma was like, okay, should I be doing this character which requires like zero effort, effort yeah. and make hundreds of millions, or should I do more work, black adders or work for days and days and days and days so I can make a bit a, a bit of money? Like, of course, he did. Been. <laughs> All, all of the Mr. Bean movies were highly successful. Yes, they like, were. Ridiculously successful. Awful movies, <laughs> but yeah, ridiculously you know successful. Ridiculously. Yeah. Uh, and Super Dimensional Fortress Macros is also released in 1982, which is an anime series. You may know it better as Robotech. I do not know it. I know the you guy don't know who Robotech? Is. No, but I see the anime... The anime train just passed me by. Oh, I'm a big anime. I, I was big in anime. I, I haven't been following it, the last couple of decades. But when I was a teenager, anime was a big thing like, for me. I tried to watch anime. It The only one that actually worked for me was um, Full Metal Alchemist. Great show. And, and manga. That's it. Like The rest of them are like... Incredibly. Not, not, not even Cowboy Bebop or no. and Cowboy oh, wow. people. Oh, Cowboy Bebop! Like, dude, it's it's more predictable than a streetlight. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So here's some trivia about um about super dimensional fortress macros that will interest anime and manga fans. Well, we know well, who, it we was know released. <laughs> which creator in that category was doing drugs. Uh, it was released, as I said, in 1982 in Japan, but it didn't become famous till 1985 when it was re-released in 
the States as Robotech. And here's a bit of interesting uh, trivia about Robotech. Uh, Robotech, uh, it's basically three different anime shows. So what the Americans did, they took three different um, similar-themed Japanese anime shows with with super-dimensional fortress macros being like the most popular of those three, and basically did a TV show that was... Merged by these three different yeah, anime they, shows. They they do that a lot. They did that with Sailor Moon, with a shit ton of episodes because Sailor Moon's supposed to be lesbian. She is. I was watching. Yeah, Sailor it's Moon. A, no. Sailor that. Moon's supposed to be in a relationship with one of the other girls, with Mars or Venus. I have no idea. I like it's ridiculous. Why I remember the names, characters, couple of episodes, but it wasn't that. Yeah, big yeah. Of fun. You you but, always watch the intro. I'm sure. Yeah, but the intro is like the most... No, anyway, um, yeah, I did not masturbate furiously to that intro. Uh, and they cut like all the references it had to a relationship and it was supposed to be her cousin, but because... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and some of the <coughs> scenes did not make any sense to the US audiences. Because they're like, this is ni- like 1980s and 90s. Like, our kids are stupid. They're going to like that. But people <laughs> are like, eh, this is dumb. And, you know, afterwards it came out that they just censored every episode. Because, you know, gay people. <laughs> because, you know, who, who wants that in proper America of the 80s and 90s? And, uh, and here's a piece of another um, final, final piece of TV trivia, which I'm sure you're going to appreciate. Ooh, hit the me. first episode of Late Night with David Letterman. Yes. Debuts on NBC during February of nineteen eighty. I know the guest. I'm going to blow your mind. I know the guest. It was Bill Murray, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, show aired after Johnny Carson's Tonight Show and was directed by Hal uh, Gurney. The show's first guests were Bill Murray and Don Herbert. It soon gained a reputation for its innovative offbeat humor and quirkiness. The show aired for over a decade with Letterman as the host until Letterman moved to CBS to host The Late Show in 1993. And it has since continued with other hosts, including Conan O'Brien, Jimmy Fallon, and Seth Meyers. I know something about this. Go. Okay. When Letterman left for CBS, basically Conan O'Brien was chosen to take his place, but people responded negatively to that. So David Letterman actually came back on his own volition to do an episode with Conan O'Brien so he could help him, you know, uh, get the ratings up and help him with the transition. And he didn't have to do that because it was a rival station. He was out of the show. He had his own thing going. He did not- He couldn't monetize that uh, guest hosting? In no way he could monetize it. He did that just to help uh, Conan O'Brien. And years after, when David Letterman did his final show on TV, Conan O'Brien told that story on uh, on the begin on the start of his show, and he's like, uh, "Today is uh, David Letterman's final show. I'm gonna tell you what time is it because it it overlaps with it overlaps with my show, so you can go and watch <laughs> David Letterman's final show." Uh, I'm a big fan of Conan O'Brien. Uh, yes, he, uh, uh, and I love his podcast that he's doing lately. Um, he's moved into podcasting. Yeah, he's also mo- he's also doing a. a he left TBS and he's doing a new show. On HBO Max. He's doing a show, So yes. he's he, he's moving into streaming, basically. He's going to be, well, in essence, he's this, he's going to be the second famous late night host that moves into streaming. The first one was David Letterman. 
Yeah, well, there's <laughs> his Netflix show. Yeah, there is a case to be made that and it's gonna be I think John gonna... Oliver went also on HBO. Bill Maher, but not on streaming. That's what yeah, I'm saying. His thing. It's on uh, HBO Max. It's now on HBO Max's show? Yes, and HBO, please, for the love of God, I am tired of pirating your shows. Please, please let me give you money. I I think you should uh, transfer your complaints to Sky because (laughs) it's Sky's fault that you're not getting HBO Max. They had these long, decades-long contracts with HBO which they did back in the 90s and 2000s where they take advantage of their content in some territories in Europe. And those... HBO, literally, I don't watch Sky, <laughs> fuck Sky. Like oh, We I, don't even have Sky in Cyprus. But we don't matter. even have Sky. <laughs> like, please, for the love of God, let me give you my money. That, I will give you That's why my, my friend in the UK, you don't have HBO. You don't have HBO UK. Dude, the moment- All, that, all the HBO stuff are on Sky. The moment that I get HBO, I will not watch <laughs> anything. Like, even if HBO doesn't do any more shows, it's like, okay, this is what we have. I'm like, fuck it, I'm good. With with your uh, backlog, I'm good with your with your IPs. I'll watch that. Fuck everyone else. I love HBO. I want to give you money. Please let of course, me give you money. I'm not sure AT and T, who now owns Time Time Warner Group and, and all that. Have you heard the latest news? They've no. uh, they are renaming. Um, oh, Warner Brothers. They're Warner Discovery. Brothers. Uh, let's say part of the company to Warner Brothers Discovery. They've merged the two companies That's together. Such a bad idea. And I think I think it's but it doesn't even sound good. What does yeah. Warner Brothers Discovery mean for fuck's sake? And the <laughs> and the logo is atrocious. Like yeah. I could do a better Look, logo. AT and T is not a broadcaster. Uh, they don't. Have, I don't think they understand uh, the cinematic or televised medium. They just want to sell subscribers. Okay, and I, okay. I, ho- I hope it works. So we have to pick a choice uh, from uh, our uh, from the category of TV shows, my friend, to put into the net capsule. So family, the floor is yours. Family ties. I. I, 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 I Personally, I was tied between Family Ties, which is my favorite sitcom, like long-running sitcom, and Blackadder. Just for the sake. Look, here's the thing. Uh, When I grew up, like my parents divorced around the time that I was like um, six or seven. And, you know, it was later on that I discovered that, oh, it's a good idea that they got divorced (laughs) because, you know, they couldn't stand each other. And uh, I remember I was watching uh, Family Ties and I fell in love with like the family thing. And and I imagined that they were my family and I fucking love Michael J. Fox and I will cry all day when that man dies. And and he has suffered for so long, poor man. But he, he keeps on going. He, he just, I don't know, it, yeah. where he finds the internal power. I mean, if I had his problems, I'll probably give up from day two. So Michael, Michael J. Fox, Fox yeah. we're here for you, legend. brother. Uh, we love you. That's not fair what happened to you, but, you know, that's life. Yeah, man. Uh, and we love you to the end I, of time. I have similar feelings for Family Ties. It was my, my adopted, let's say, TV family as well. My parents didn't divorce, no good. But uh, I always... Probably most of my liberal ideas come from family ties because if you remember, they were one of the first Americanized yeah, liberal families on, on TV. And uh, Alex Keaton was the son. Yeah, he was like the a capitalist. Uh. Yeah, the, he was supposed to be into Reagan and shit. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Family ties. So, uh, yeah, Mr. Psilides picks uh, family ties. I'll go with Blackadder. 
Probably Blackadder is is the series that popularized the British style of sitcoms, like the high concept sitcom with no laughing tracks, nothing like that. Uh, if you remember, each season was a different it period in history. Blackadder didn't have a uh, no, didn't have laugh a, track. No, are you sure? Yes. Why do I get the impression that I M- maybe they had in the first season? I'll double check, but I think for the rest of the season, I'm like the World sure. War II season, they didn't have. Uh, let me just double check. I love the episodes when they go to execute him. <laughs> Classic, man. Hello, sir. We will be a firing squad. I mean, the, the writing in that show. The writing in that show. I mean... Also uh, start... Obviously created by Richard Curtis, of, if you yes. know him. Uh, and Rowan Atkinson is credited as co-creator as well. People yes, also starring uh, Hugh Laurie and uh, Stephen yes. Fry. I think this was before they did the bit of Fry and Lori. Mm-hmm. I can't find the bit of information about the laugh track now, but I'm I'm gonna double check and put it in, in a post somewhere. A bit of a bit of Fry and Lori has my favorite surreal sketch. More than the, than the Monty Python? No, 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 no. It's completely <laughs> nonsensical. Like Hugh Lori is a police officer, and uh, a guy goes to him and he's like, uh, "Sir, uh, someone has stolen my wallet." And Hugh Law is like stone-faced and he asks him a couple of questions. And at some point, Hugh Law goes, okay, do you want um, do you want to go to your place? He goes, yeah, sure. And they like hug each other and they move off screen holding hands. There's, no, <laughs> there's nothing that says that these two are like a couple or there's something romantic between them. It's just, boom, it just ends like that. Like fucking genius, man. Simple, simply genius. Now, uh, a bit of clarification. I may be wrong about the laugh track thing. I am not I sure. I haven't watched Black Adder for more than 10 years, but I do remember the laugh track not being well, they <laughs> intrusive. Uh, if there was one, I well, will double check. It wasn't Friends. Wow, come on. <laughs> well, about Friends, <laughs> have you watched the reunion thing? Yeah. And, and what and are your thoughts? That Botox should not have made a product placement. <laughs> Moving they, on to books. They aged horribly, yeah. excluding Matt LeBlanc yeah. and Lisa he's, That man is ageless. <laughs> yeah, he's ageless. I think Matthew Perry is not okay. That's what everybody's saying. They, I've, I've heard different rumors that he had like a dental surgery on the day or it was revealed today or yesterday that he's getting a divorce as well. Uh, so yeah, I well, don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, he's he's, he's not doing well. So going on to books and comic books. Comic so books. some trivias about books and comics in the year 1982. Here's the new, uh, the, uh, the Times Best Sellers list for 1982. An Indecent Obsession by Colin McCullough. No idea. The Hotel New Hampshire by John Irving. Irving. Nope. North and South by John Jakes. Nope. <laughs> you haven't heard any of them, do you? Nope. There's a few coming on that I'm sure you've heard of. Um, the Parsifal Mosaic by Robert Lundblom, which is a spy uh, espionage uh, book, uh, obviously. I mean, Robert Lundblom. Lundblom. <laughs> uh, the Man from St. Petersburg by Ken Follett. Master of the Game by Sidney Sheldon. I think I know that one. And uh, Space by James uh, Mishner. And Different Seasons. By Stephen yes, different seasons by Stephen which King, which is an anthology uh, novel. It's, an, it's four an different stories. Anthology of four different stories. All of them, no, three of them have been made into movies. 
and and the and, and the, the and the fourth is is commissioned to yes. coming within development. Uh, also, if you read different seasons, you will answer the question if you saw because one of them is Shawshank Redemption, and at some point in Shawshank, Morgan Freeman plays Red, who in the book is Irish <laughs> and, and not black, he has red, <laughs> and he has red hair. So at some point, um, um, Tim Rob, Tim Robbins yep. asks uh, Morgan Freeman, "Why do they call you Red?" And he goes, "Well, because I'm Irish," and they don't discuss it any further. That's a not. That's a <laughs> not, not to, to the, the book. book. I actually think the apt pupil with um, James Ian uh, McKellen with Ian McKellen. It's uh, it's a better movie than Shawshank Redemption. It should no, it should be remade. No, I no. think it's a good movie. Dude, it's a good the, movie, but Shawshank Redemption. The is. premise. I think the premise is more interesting. It's more Hitchcockian. The premise. Yes, it should be redone. And obviously, the body, which was made as a movie, Stand by Me. Stand by it's me. Actually, it's also an excellent movie. And the fourth uh, chapter in the book, which is the breathing method, is now in, in development as the breathing method. It hasn't changed titles. I never understood that that story. Like it's very obscure, <laughs> especially compared to the other. Yeah, three. and you know, like. I can see that Stephen King was on drugs when he did that because I was like, okay, let's get this done. And, and uh, a good piece of trivia to know about different seasons is it's probably the first Stephen King book which is not entirely a thriller or a, oh, a supernatural thriller in that kind of a sense. I did not know that. Um, and moving on to comics. Yes. Uh, do you read comics, Mr. Psalidis? Or well, were not, you reading not, comics? Were you not so much now, but... All right, I so here's some to... trivia about comics. Uh, during uh, the Angoulême International Comics Festival, Claire Brethe... Bre oh, I can't pronounce this to save my life. Bretescher becomes the first woman to win the Grand Prix uh, in the festival. Basically becoming the first woman to win a, a major comic book uh, award as a creator. 1982, that sounds pretty, you know, yeah. not right. <laughs> I bet she got a lot of dick pics in her mail. Oh, God. Uh, Marvel Superheroes uh, is uh, ends with issue 105, cancelled by Marvel. And uh, the debut of Alan Moore and David Lloyd's V for Vendetta. Uh, Seriously? Yeah, no, premieres in, in Warrior, which was like an anthology, Brit British anthology comic book series. It came like once a month. It had mm -hmm. various stories. It, like uh, the original V for Vendetta was released in, in, in parts. In this anthology, like over a year okay. or something. I thought before Vendetta was like released in the seventies or something. No, it, it's an early eighties uh, okay. release, and yeah, 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 then yeah. in the mid eighties, Vertigo, which is a DC yeah. offshoot, uh, bought uh, bought the rights and re released it as a graphic novel. Uh, obviously, yeah, before Vendetta, is, it's pretty uh, iconic. Uh, the movie is pretty good. Uh, it's not as obviously as good as, as the graphic novel. Have you read the graphic novel? Yes, I have. I believe that. Did it it's... make you a changed man? No, but, uh, it didn't. It's it's great. I think people who like format the mouth on the movie because it's not like the graphic novel. You're like, uh, you know what? It's a pretty decent adaptation, though. Everything e from the book okay. is there, and a pretty amazing cast. It's yes. it's more blockbusterish. Yes, obviously, but all the material is there. Alan Moore had the best burn for that movie. He said that this is political satire for people who are afraid to do it in their own country. Correct. 
uh, I will stand up. Uh, I will stand by the movie. It's pretty decent. Yeah, it's no, a movie. Uh, okay. Britain's uh, weekly Eagle Comics is relaunched by APC Media in a mostly photo novel format. Do you never you remember the photo novel uh, comics? I have no idea what that is. Which was basically not hand drawn comics. It was pic- uh, photo pictures. Like every frame, oh, you know, they were very yeah. popular, especially with romantic stories. Porn stuff. Like that. <laughs> Porn stuff. Um, Daredevil 181 uh, features Bullseye fatally stabbing Electra, which was a big moment in the Daredevil um, uh, canon. And in um, the movie. And in the movie. Uh, to help raise money for his lawsuit against Marvel Comics for ownership of Howard the Duck, Steve Gerber brings out his own Destroyer Duck from Eclipse Comics. Uh, Marvel was pretty famous for not giving its creators, you know, their royalties. And no way. I'm going to get back to that in, in a few moments. Jack Kirby doesn't know anything <laughs> about that. Marvel's Wolverine four-issue miniseries by Cle- uh, Chris uh, Claremont and Frank Miller begins appearing in, in newsstands. Wolverine started in 1982. The, 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 his, um, his series... Like okay. he, Wolverine uh, appeared in X Men comics, you know, okay. years so before. But it's he, the standalone. It's getting yeah, his standalone um, comic book. Okay. Um, the Marvel DC intercompany crossover, the Uncanny X Men and the New Teen Titans, uh, is released. They should do more of those nowadays. Imagine uh, if the MCU, you know, could, could teach a few things to the DC. Why sure? Yeah, I think it's too late for that. Yeah, yeah. And Katsushiro. Otomos, Akira, debuts in Young Magazine in Japan, which is, again, like an anthology thing, okay. like with the video before right. the dead side. Um, and uh, last piece of trivia, uh, which is important for people who write and work in comic books and other entertainment media, you, you should be interested in this. To stem the flow of creators defecting to companies, such as uh, First Comics, Pacific Comics, and Eclipse Comics, DC Comics begins offering royalties to artists and writers of regular newsstand comics that sell more than 100,000 copies. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> <laughs> Marvel soon follows suit with its creator-owned imprint, Epic Comics. Launched by editor-in-chief uh, Jim Shooter as a spin-off uh, of the successful Epic Illustrated magazine, the Epic imprint allows creators to retain control and ownership of their properties. Wow. <laughs> yeah, fucking like wow. uh, we're creating successful characters for yeah. you in comics, and we're not getting. When people here. talk about Stanley, they kind of overlook. Well, he, he was pretty. Kind of overlook this period where Stanley ripped off everyone. Yeah, he's an important character, but people tend to forget he's more a businessman. Yes, than yes. a creative friendly person. Um, so it's uh, it's not Stanley. It's not his full name, by the way. Yeah, it's not. You know, I'm reading his biography now. It's it's uh, uh, Stan. Uh, fuck Jack Kirby Lee. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, Mr. Costandinos Silidis yes. of historical fame. Yes, sir. Uh, do you have a book or a comic book? Here? I have a comic. You want to insert into the- uh, I have a comic and you did not mention it. Ooh, I, I love when this happens. This is what I want from my guests. Go. Camelot 3000. Ooh. Debuted in 1982. Totally passed my mind. It was fucking amazing. I actually, um, I I was wondering if I could like get a hold of a copy today. Anyway, Camelot 3000, for those who don't know, it's a retelling of the Arthurian legend when the heroes- The sci-fi twist. 
yes, with a sci-fi twist, because the heroes are born in the year 3000 to stave off uh, an alien alien invasion. It's fucking awesome. Percival is a mutated giant. It's amazing. I remember reading it as a kid. Uh, yes. It was released in Greek at some point uh, in their late 80s, early 90s. Yes, that's and, why I remember it. And I remember it... it, 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 it it was wow, you know. I didn't know it came out in 1982. So good, good choice, Mr. Thank you, uh, thank you. Silidze. You're actually gonna make me go back and uh, revisit Camelot 3000. Uh, my choice is a little bit more um, obvious. Uh, we discussed about anime uh, minutes before, uh, and my choice will be Akira. Okay. Uh, I love Akira. I love the movie. I love the comic book. Uh, Are they supposed to redo it now or something? It's been in development hell for many years. My friend changed hands many times, directors, writers, etc. I think even Waikiki was involved at some point. Yeah, Uh, because uh, people are like, oh, you didn't put this frame in and you destroyed the character. Well, we'll remember what happened with the ghost in the shell adaptation. It was horrible. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) people are afraid. (laughs) Well, why are people afraid? You know, you know like what? It's a movie. Don't you, watch you know it. What, you know what pisses me off is that people piss me off. The, the, <laughs> true, the Asian market—it's it, probably the biggest entertainment market right now in the world. Like most other things, okay, yeah, technology, etc., uh, etc. Et if you want to make a live-action version of a some Asian material, like in this case, a Japanese material, why don't you do it in Japanese? Why, Ooh, why, why Japan- would you want to do it in? First of all, because you won't get a proper release in China. And people won't understand it. You get... Who cares? I mean, I think... Who cares, people who invest on it? Look, I think we're entering... And I'm speaking now as a writer and director myself. But I think we're entering a period where language doesn't matter anymore. I mean, Netflix has proved that. I mean, people are watching stuff in Spanish, in, in Japanese... In Korean, they don't care about the language yeah. as long as they can read subtitles. Yeah, sake. not all of them though. <laughs> and it's like you're starting off with a product, and you're saying that okay, before I release this, I want to make sure that half of you want it. Like, from the start, I want to exclude half of the people uh, as a client. Let's move on. Mm, that's that's debatable. I mean, if, if if you're talking it's about North America, yes, I agree. Because de- if it was debatable, it w- <laughs> everything would be done in a native language, and it's not. It's it's gonna happen someday. I'm, I'll be hopeful. Yeah, in three thousand one, uh, you know, <laughs> King Arthur comes back. <laughs> it's also important to to note that Akira um, brought the cyberpunk genre in in Japanese uh, in, uh, narrative uh, in in pop culture, like, and it came out in the same year as Blade Runner. So as we're going to see later. Okay. So in cinemas, we have Blade Runner, uh, which is the ultimate cyberpunk, let's say, uh, uh, movie uh, thing in the world. And in the other side of the Atlantic, you have Akira, a manga comic book, basically dealing with, I wouldn't say similar themes, but it, the cyberpunk uh, influence is right there. It's basically set in Tokyo in the future, which very much looks like Los Angeles in, in Blade Runner. And there's no way that they copied each other because this all, they came out at almost exactly the same time. Okay. So uh-huh. uh, that's pretty important to know. Uh, obviously, the anime that came a few years later, directed by the same uh, the creator of the comic book himself, it's it's iconic. I, I remember the anime playing in one of our local channels here, Antenna, 
in Saturday mornings. <laughs> and it's not child-friendly material at all. <laughs> I've seen it a couple of times play in the yeah. morning, Saturday mornings. Anyway, Boy. so Akira and... Camelot 3000. Enter the uh, net capsule. All right, let's uh, move on. And, and we will save them forever. So let's go to uh, video games. Ooh. Ooh. Um, the year 1982 is very similar to the year 1981. Uh, the arcade is still king. The highest grossing arcade game of 1982 is still Pac-Man, a 1980 release, which had accumulated a total revenue of $6 billion worldwide, uh, $16.1 billion today, adjusted for inflation. And on December 27, Stargate, Starcade, okay, S-T-A-R-C-A-D-E, a video game, television game show debuts on TBS in the United States. It's probably the first television show to feature video games uh, as a competitive uh, TV event. Okay. Uh, Electronic uh, Games holds the third Arcade Awards for gamers released, uh, for games released during the 1980 till 1981, Pac-Man obviously wins the Best Arcade Game Award. Asteroids by Atari wins the Best Console Games Award. And Star uh, Raiders, an Atari 8-bit family game, wins the Best Computer Game Award. In January, Sega releases, releases Zaxxon. Do you remember Zaxxon? No. Uh, which, it, it's, it's the game that introduced isometric graphics. And it looks far more 3D than any other uh, roster game at the time. Okay. So Sega is innovating. Uh, in January 13th, Midway releases Mrs. Pac-Man. Uh, and it did not <laughs> go well. No, it, actually Mrs. Pac-Man did quite well. Uh, the sequel to Pac-Man, as it suggests, uh, it was, but it was created without Namco's authorization. Uh, they also released Baby Pac-Man and Pac-Man Plus without Namco's authorization yeah. later in the year. Uh, and the former is a pinball uh, video game hybrid. Miss Pac-Man did very well <laughs> in arcades, mainly because it's more or less the same game, but in a harder uh, yeah. and difficulty yeah. level. When I say it didn't go well, it didn't go well for the company that released it. <laughs> because basically Pac-Man was pirated by a couple of uh, oh. basically four guys who used their own um, their own um, they, they, they were the first motors in yes, a way. the own motherboard and that increased the difficulty, difficulty of the game and the variety of the game so more coins going to the machine and yes that's, uh, so it's part of the profitable. the com- they basically the company Namco that owned the that owned Miss Pac-Man sorry that owned Pac-Man um, came and sold the rights of the game <laughs> to them. Basically, it's, they sued them, but they won the suit. And basically what ended up happening is the company kept, it allowed them to release it as Miss Pac-Man, and they kept with the Pac-Man game. Um, so it was good for them because, you know, the company, the actual company, was forced to go after everyone who was modding the game, and they <laughs> spent tens of millions in lawsuits that was thrown out, yeah. and so, they so, made a shit ton of so money. So the only winner at the end of the day is people who owned arcade uh, <laughs> stores, okay. basically. On April nineteenth, Namco releases Dick Duck. Remember so, Dick sorry, Duck? what? Dick Duck. 
That's a very unfortunate name. It is also <laughs> the name that I call my penis. It's a beautiful game. It's a beautiful game, though. I love it. I call my penis Dick Dag, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, in August, uh, Nintendo releases Donkey Kong Jr., the sequel to Donkey Kong. And uh, Midway also releases the Tron Arcade game just before the movie came out in the same year. Dada East releases Burger Time, which was sort of a Donkey Kong ripoff. Tron came out in 1982? Yes. Okay. As you not, not. Well, it the, was the age of the neon. So. <laughs> yeah. That, Makes sense. If there's neon the movie, that's Tron. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neon the movie. Um, I'm, I'm trying to skim through. Um, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back is released on Atari 2600, and it's basically the first Star Wars game ever released. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator 1.0 is released on MS-DOS and becomes a standard compatibility test for early PC clones and benchmark, uh, let's say. Uh, The Dragon and Princess is the earliest known Japanese RPG game that's released in in that year, 1982, on on next PC-8001, a home computer platform. Okay. And Sierra Online, if you've played hundreds of adventure games like me, you know Sierra, you love them, released Time Zone for the Apple II, written and directed by Roberta Williams, a pioneer in the video game industry. Okay. Uh, the graphical adventure game shipped with six double-sided floppy disks and cost $99. Oh, yeah. okay. And here's a bit of last, um, last trivia of the section, which I'm sure you're going to laugh because you've made a whole episode on yes, Historicon. I did. About it. I know what de- you're going to say. <laughs> on December 1982, Atari releases... E.T., the extraterrestrial, based, of course, on the popular uh, Spielberg movie. Uh, <laughs> written and developed in five and a half weeks. It's one of the games that sparks the video game crash of 1983. That's actually not true. Okay, it's supposed to be true, but it here's the thing. It Basically, you took everything from the foundation and then you removed the small rock and the thing fell over. And you're like, ah, it's because I removed that rock. And it's like, no, it's because you removed can, can the- Can you tell us a little bit more? I mean, we did a whole yes, episode on Historical, um, one of my favorite episodes. Uh, yes, you know? it's uh, it's an episode called The Worst Video Game Ever Made, <laughs> which the title is pretty self-explanatory. Basically, um, Atari wanted to rush in uh, production uh, E.T., to be released for the um, Christmas, Christmas holidays. It used the same guy. Uh, I don't remember the guy's name. God, I fucking forgot his name. And he got like mental health issues after that. They commissioned the same guy who did um, the previous. Howard Scott uh, yes. Warshow. Yeah. Howard Scott Warshow. Uh, they um, commissioned uh, Howard to do a game because he previously did Indiana um, Jones and the. And Yari's Revenge, which were and good, good, Revenge, good, good games, basically. That they were awesome games. Yari's Revenge cited as one of the best games ever made in Atari. He did it in like five and a half weeks where he barely slept. It was a very rushed game. It was badly designed. It was almost impossible to win. And it it drove down sales for Atari. But, you know, the reason that Atari went down in the 1983 crash happened and so the video game industry basically moved to Japan was because Atari was fucking greedy at that point. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Uh, so they didn't develop any new technologies. Uh, they just stuck with what they had. They 
were suing people left and right who were making Atari games, which is mind-blowing because PlayStation now like gives out the their code to people so they can make Sony PlayStation games. They give out their code to studios. And uh, also, Atari had a very aggressive uh, sales uh, tactic where if one of the retailers was interested in uh, carrying a game, they forced him to buy earlier games as well. <laughs> yeah, the they were hell? like, we're going to give you like a Yaws Revenge if you buy like, uh, if you carry in your store like uh, e. <laughs> five more games. So they did not give Atari an inch when the thing failed. They sent everything back. And there is a very nice story for it. They um, buried the game cartridges in um, somewhere in the desert of uh, New Mexico. And they um, and the company uh, refused the rumor for years. And in, and in 2014... The guy who wrote uh, Ready Player One and uh, uh, a screenwriter. I don't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, they did a documentary about it. Which yes, they did, did really a, well in festivals. They and funded uh, an expedition to that dumping site and they actually found the game. They found like discarded cartridges of the game. And they, I think there's a museum right there now. You've just been historicon. You have just been historicon. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing, and Warsaw, amazing story. More so like left the industry and he's now working as a um, psychiatrist for start, <laughs> people who do startup. He, he, he had to first. Um, uh, it much, fu- it <laughs> fucked him up. It fucked him up because uh, they blamed him for it. Everyone was saying that, you know, it's your fault. And he took it like really, really he bad. Had, he had to take like hundreds of therapy sessions. How, yes. how, how you don't become a therapist at the end of yes. the day. Um, so uh, time time has come for uh, hard decisions, my friend. You have to pick one video game to go into the Nerd Capsule. E.T., man. Oh. Definitely. You want the worst game. <laughs> you, you want an example of that yes, from generations. Want, when there is a list and someone... and. One on, on that list is like the worst thing ever made. Of <laughs> course you want that. You want people, you want that immortalized. So, you know. Good choice. Good yes. choice. Good thinking. I mean, it, the Nerd Capsule is not only for acclaimed yeah. uh, releases. It's also for stuff that we believe that uh, they are, um, they're worth of studying <laughs> yes. in the future. My choice is Donkey Kong Jr. And, you know, as a screenwriter, I couldn't not go with that choice because... Nintendo did something extremely smart with Donkey Kong Jr. It's basically exactly the same game as Donkey Kong. You just switch the narrative around because in the original game, Mario is trying uh, to save his princess from Donkey Kong. And in the sequel, you are the nephew of Donkey Kong trying to save him from Mario. So you reverse roles. And that, Ooh, that was boom. That was mind-blowing in 1982 to reverse the main character yeah. in the sequel. Even if it's totally the same gameplay, same game in a sense. Fuck species, uh, sorry, fuck gender swapping. This <laughs> yeah, is man. Species swapping. <laughs> and, and and they did all, they, they went all the way. I mean, if you play Donkey Kong Jr., Mario looks like an evil uh, Warrior. antagonist, you know? Ooh. He has, you know, he, he's not the, he's not the good guy Italian from uh, wait, wait, next wait, door, wait. you know? <laughs> he, he went to, it's a me, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> so Donkey Kong Jr., and E.T. the game. E.T. the extra Go into the nerd capsule. All right. And on to the final. Yes, sir. Chapter of our adventure. Yes, sir. 
my favorite uh, part of the podcast, which obviously it's movies. movies. Yay! And uh, the first thing uh, we always do is see which movies were in the top 10 of the US box office. All right, uh, hit me. This, this Let's see here. how many of those we saw. <laughs> give me a second to open my files. Yeah, here. we'll give you as many seconds as you want. One, two. So, number <laughs> one, as you've probably already guessed, E.T., the extra. Of course. Terrestrial Spielberg's classic, uh, in a way, reimagining of <laughs> close encounters of the third kind for a family-friendly <laughs> audience. Spielberg's classic, this is pieces commercial. <laughs> no, I love you, Tim, and I, I cry every time I watch that shit, every time. And it's the first live-action film I screen to my movies, to my kids. Okay. To my movies, that was. Right. Uh, <laughs> my movies or my kids, right? <laughs> to my kids, and they loved it. Uh, Rocky Three is in number yes, two of, of the box office. Uh, number three on a golden pond with Katrine Herpin and Henry Fonda. I did not see that. Ooh, you sure? It's, it has an age 12, but it's a good drama. Number four, An Officer and a Gentleman. Yes, Richard uh, Gere. The movie that made Richard Gere famous, and the movie that my parents claim it's my first outing to a cinema. They, they, when I was uh, new, what was this? I was one years old, barely one year old, one years old in, uh, actually it was released in Cyprus in 1983, which was very common okay. at the time. We would get movies like a year later, months later. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and in 1983, when I was barely one, uh, they wanted to go watch the movie. They, they didn't have a babysitter, so they, took me with them to watch An Officer and a Gentleman. Oh, okay. Right. And to this day, they say, oh, you became a filmmaker because we took you to see An Officer and a Gentleman. <laughs> and you're like, so it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At number five. Fuck it, Chucky. <laughs> Porky's. Porky's? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, you know, the, the, they, they call this genre uh, college TT films, if I remember correctly. Yeah, well, basically. They were set in colleges. National Yeah, yeah. They, they perfected the format with uh, animal House, so yeah, Porky's yeah. was another Animal House uh, copy. Uh, at number six, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, the, be the best Star Khan. Trek film of all time. Well, that's a pretty low bar to clear. I love Wrath of Khan. Sorry, my friend. It's okay. It's uh, I love Sharknado. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> number seven, Portergeist by oh. Toby Hooper. Ooh, it the, was Steven Spielberg's year, huh? Yeah, man, he produced it, and the urban legend says that he ghost directed it. For some reason, how do years you, later, he how came do you? Whoa, whoa, whoa! How do you ghost direct something? Do you go to the director? Like, Pan to the left. <laughs> pro, pro, uh, what really happened is that uh, they were running out of schedule of Portuguese. So Spielberg, as a producer on the movie, he came on set and offered his help to Toby Huber, who was the original director, who also did um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and they, they split uh, workload basically. So I'll one guy was take the Yeah, you take this because there was a, there was heavy VFX involved in the movie, and then that's how how the urban legend came that Spielberg ghost directed it. Uh, at number uh, eight, the best little warehouse in Texas, Cyprus. No, <laughs> I'm joking. It's a musical with Burt okay. Reynolds and Dolly Parton. In uh, one of the last Hollywood classic musicals, I would say. I mean, in that classical Hollywood musical style, you know, oh, the grandiose. Musical is making a comeback it, it is, it is, it is. And Spielberg is doing West Side Story, the remake. I don't know why though. It, the trailer looks good. I hate, uh, I hate remakes, like as a rule of thumb. I am, I'm, I'm really not a fan of remakes. You have to have a really good reason to make a remake. He's gonna have a very hard time. I want to be in America. <laughs> Number nine. 
Chariots of Fire. Ooh. Um, um, yeah. yeah. We all know the Vangelis legendary Van- score. Vangelis. Very few people remember the movie. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, again, yeah, it hasn't aged well. We tried to fire was great. And number 10, another musical uh, classic of the times, Annie. Mm, okay. Alfred Finney, uh, et cetera. So this, this is the, the, the cinema um, arena, let's say, uh, in the States and probably in the world. Uh, at the Oscars, Gandhi wins best film. Oh, Ben Kingsley. Nice. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite bio- autobiographical uh, films. Uh, at the BAFTAs, Gandhi also wins. Of course. Obviously, it's a British production. Uh, at Cannes, the Palme d'Or is split between two movies. Uh, Missing, directed by uh, Costas Lavras. Uh, and Yol, uh, translated The Way, a Turkish film uh, directed by Ilmaz Güney. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know if the, if it was a political decision to give a Greek director and a Turkish director split their work. Yeah, maybe, probably, maybe, probably. maybe. Both of them are good movies. It's missing is I won't consider the best Havraz movies. That that's Z obviously. Uh, Yol haven't watched, but uh, I'm curious now. I want I want to watch Yol. I'm gonna find it and watch it. It's a road movie set in Turkey after the after the uh, uh, coup. Did that? Okay. You know, the All right. Just hit me. So, some other notable films. Feel free to stop me when you see something that you okay. want to discuss about. 48 Hours. Yes. Eddie Murphy and, and Nick, Nick. I'm fucking insane, Nolte. Uh, the, the movie that started the body cop, Grace. Yes. And up to this day, pretty naughty film. I mean, the language in that movie is pretty extreme. Yeah, well, it holds up. It holds up, it holds up. And, and Nick Nolte, you know, doesn't play your um, casual... No, no, uh, white cop. He's a racist. No, no, white no, no, cop, no, 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 you know. No. Nick Nolte plays Nick Nolte. <laughs> like there is no Nick Nolte is not an actor. He's just a guy who wanders into sets and he does himself. True, true. true. Airplane Two, the sequel. Yay! It's not as good as the first one, but it, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, Angel, a film directed by Neil okay. Jordan. Wait, 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 wait. There's a scene in Airplane One where Stryker goes, the pilot was supposed to get him to pilot the plane after the pilots die. And he's like, I cannot fly this plane. I used to fly <laughs> one engine airplanes. This is a whole, this engine, this airplane has four, four engines. This is a whole new flying all together. And it's uh, Leslie Nielsen and the <laughs> attendant. And they go, this is a whole new way of flying. <laughs> yeah, airplane is so quotable. Every line in that way. I, Love airplane. Yeah, it holds. It's almost impossible to find a comedy that uh, transcends uh, years. An airplane still holds today. Top Secret is also another one. Uh, it's made by very, the same people. Uh, it's anyway. very topical. It's very topical. Sure. It's very topical. Where airplane, it's completely fucking stupid, <laughs> and it's awesome. Uh, more uh, interesting movies that came out in 1992: The Atomic Cafe, documentary film on the era of nuclear warfare. Arthur Arthur uh, by yes. Arthur Healer, starring Al Pacino. Basket Case, uh, pretty awesome uh, horror movie. Uh, Beastmaster. Ooh. As you're, you're going to see, Swords and Sandals has a comeback, uh, yes. or fantasy epic, let's say. Has, has, it's really important in this year. Um, uh, Blade Runner. I mean, we could do a whole podcast about Blade Runner, but I I'm not going to. Later. What? Get get the hell out of my I podcast. I, I honestly Oh my God. Hey, the Why? New, <laughs> there is no reason. It just passed me by. 
I'm gonna do a screening just for you. And I never saw it. I'm like, gonna book a cinema. And hey, we're the go new together. one. The new one was. Did you watch the new good. one and you didn't yes. watch the original? Yeah. Weren't you a little bit confused? Well, but it works yeah. by itself. Uh, well, and it's mostly a remake. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it was okay. I mean, I didn't love oh, it, but okay. We're going to talk about Blade Runner a little bit later more. Cut People by Paul Schrader, the guy who wrote Taxi Driver, and, and, and director on, great director on his own right. Class of 1984. Conan the Barbarian. Yes, Conan the Barbarian. Which made Arnold Schwarzenegger famous. And We're still was, waiting for King Conan the movie, by the way. And was written <laughs> originally by Oliver Stone. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is an am it's probably one of my favorite bits of TV <laughs> that Oliver Stone wrote Conan. Uh, Creep Show by George A. Romero. Uh, the Creep Show TV show that's been relaunched uh, last year. It's pretty good to check it out. The Dark Crystal by Jim Henson and Frangos. Hey. Uh, Death Wish 2 with Charles. Bronson. Jesus, looks like a. You know, I used to remember when I was a kid, uh, I think all my uncles had a copy of Death Wish 1 or 2 or 3. They yeah, loved those movies, those fascist, like fascist, fascist uh, uh, Yeah, resolve all my problems with a gun. Yeah. And I always wanted to, uh, for like a rumor to start, not a rumor, I, I always wanted Charles Bronson to get caught in an airport, you know, sucking <laughs> off a guy. <laughs> Like so, it, so he was shatters, he was man, the man's man. Yeah, so it shatters <laughs> that manly man who resolves everything with violence. Like, oh, come on. Uh, uh, Diner was released at the same year by Barry Levinson. It made few people famous. That movie, Daniel Stern, uh, Mickey Rook, Kevin Bacon, uh, Paul Razor, and many more. Uh, Fanny and Alexander by Ingmar Bergman, Hi. Swedish master of cinema. Uh, Fast Times at Richmond High. Yes, that uh, I see. Another right. uh, 80s Rat Pack movie, could we call it that, with Shin Penn, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, Hobby Gates and Ray Watson. First Blood. Uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> Rambo. Rambo. So Rocky Three and Rambo came out in the same year. Yeah, right. That's nice. Um, uh, Caraldo. By Werner Herzog. Oh, I by, love Werner Herzog. By, oh, crazy, by crazy the way, guy. I love how um, First Blood just glorifies PTSD. Like, <laughs> it's a poor veteran that goes completely Nuts, psychotic. Yeah, yeah. I, Again, I, like the original Rocky, it's very different from its sequels. Very different. Yeah, and I know a bit of trivia for oh, uh, First shoot. Blood as well. Shoot. The ending is completely different. The original ending was completely different and it's actu was actually shot. I think shot. he's committing suicide in the original ending, right? I think he's either committing suicide or he or, shoots Oh, his... no, no. He tells the colonel to shoot him because he, yeah, yeah, he can't yeah, stand yeah, it yeah, anymore. Yeah. And they actually shot it and they focus group it and uh, because people liked it, they liked the movie, like, okay, we cannot We can make out. more. <laughs> we can make money out of this. So, you know, bring the guys yeah, back, yeah. let them redo it. Uh, but you can find the original ending on YouTube. Ooh, nice, nice. Uh, Friday the 13th, part three. And I think, I think I'm not 100% sure this is the part where the hockey mask is introduced because the, the two previous, I, I in the two previous part, okay, Jason is not really the killer in the original. In the second one, when he's the killer, he does. He's not. He's he's using a like a potato sack or a mask, I think, or something okay. like that. Grease two <laughs> comes out in nineteen eighty two, probably the worst movie of the year. Uh, Halloween three, season of the witch, the first Halloween sequel that uh, okay. uh, Carpenter is not really involved. Um, the Hatchback of Notre Dame with Anthony Hopkins, quiet. Oh, Help me with this. Koyanishkachi. Uh, 
probably the most important documentary uh, of our times. It had two more sequels by Godfrey Reggio. It, it's it's just images. It's like it's it's a trip. Uh, you, you film people and you have unconscious yeah, shit. We are <laughs> like stop making stuff that people. I'm, I'm don't sure watch. you love this one, The Last Unicorn. Yes, with Mia Farrow, uh, the animated uh, movie. Monty Python released their first uh, concert film live at the Hollywood Bowl. It's uh, it's a very nice movie. You should watch. Uh, Pink Floyd's uh, "The Wall" by Alan Parker. We discussed uh, "The Wall" in the previous episode, 1981, when the album was released. A beautiful film uh, okay. to accompany the album. Q, uh, Richard Pryor's "Live on the Sunset Strip," An another amazing, classic, amazing classic concert film. Uh, Rocky Three, as we said before, the Shaolin, the Shaolin Temple, which was the first Jet Li start uh, martial oh. arts uh, film. He was, he was barely twenty, I think. Sophie's Choice, uh, which Merlin Streep won an, uh, an Academy Award for, um, which is something Andreas uh, is considering to do for his kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> Swamp Thing, based on the comic book directed by Wes uh, Graven. There was a TV show much later on that didn't do that well. Uh, the Sword and the Sorcerer. Another uh, shorts and sandals uh, mm. pick. <laughs> What is it about? Is it a rom com? <laughs> Tron. I love yes. Tron. I love Neon Tron. the movie. Yeah. Uh, here's a funny story about Tron. Actually, my parents wanted to help me uh, get some time off TV because I, I, I was the movie geek since childhood and, okay. and all that. So they enrolled me in the scouts. <laughs> Yeah, and always uh, a bad idea. And, and back then, every Saturday, where you know, the scouts had their meetings, our national broadcaster CYBC would play movies exactly at the same time as the scouts' uh, meetings, like four o'clock in the afternoon on Saturdays. And on my first visit to the scouts, Tron was playing on TV. And because I've missed <laughs> Tron, I took myself out of the sky. <laughs> Because I wouldn't miss another movie again I, on Saturday. I also killed my parents. <laughs> no. Uh, the Year of Living Dangerously uh, is also a pretty important film released in this year. And here we come in the very much, in the very, very final stretch of the episode. We have to choose a movie each, my friend. I mean, the 80s are always hard for me because I love so many 80s films and 82, 1982 is not that different. I mean, we could pick any, most of these movies yep. and put them in a capsule. It's a very difficult, very difficult decision. So I'm curious, what movie are you putting in the nerd capsule? Conan the Barbarian. Ooh, I loved it when I was a kid. That song, my friend. That I fucking loved it when I was a kid. And uh, I find the fact that it was written by Oliver Stone to be <laughs> amazingly ridiculous. It's like finding out that J.J. Abrams made a good movie. Like it's come on, the, Oliver Stone is a pretty good filmmaker. I mean, you shouldn't be surprised. Are you surprised because he did the fantasy? Yeah, the fantasy. Yeah, that's. Well, he's a pretty big nerd. Read some of his interviews. He yeah. hasn't done big pop culture stuff, but he's a big nerd. Yeah, also kind of sexist, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've actually met him. You met Oliver Sarajevo. Stone. Yes. Did he touch you? Or I touched him, <laughs> and I was drunk, and it was one o'clock in the morning, and we were returning to our hotel in Sarajevo Film Festival, and we were staying in the same hotel, and I was with Frixos, our friend, Ooh. and my co-writer in many projects, uh, and fellow podcaster. He has he does gig out here at Black Lemon TV and Geek Gigodobos. <laughs> we're coming out of the taxi. I see Oliver Stone, like in the lobby of the hotel. I immediately turned to Frixos, man. That's motherfucking Oliver Platoon. 
Stone, I need to shake his hand. And Frixel turns to me, he's like, don't do it, man. You, you Frixel, Frixel <laughs> was like, you don't know where that hand has been before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was drunk out of my mind. I go straight to Oliver Stone. I, I don't even ask for permission. I take his hand and shake. And the poor man, you know, he just stares at me like, what the hell is going like, on? like, I'm not fucking you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, you know, in, in five seconds, I tell him, yeah, you you mean, you know, I was drunk. You mean a lot to me, sir. I love your movies. And he said, okay, thank you. And he turns around and goes back to his reward. Yeah, but it happens to him <laughs> To cocaine or wherever he went. I don't know. Um, so Conan, uh, the Barbarian. Yeah. I love Con the original Conan. The sequel did not sit with me well. Uh, we all know how that one as well. Uh, we still wait, we're still waiting for King Conan, which was... Uh, a lot of people that have read the script said it was an amazing uh, sequel and an end, let's say, to the Conan myth. I would love it if it was on a complete though. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, can't get up. And... <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to see King Conan, so don't get your hopes up. My choice, I was so conflicted. So conflicted. Okay. I, was, I love Blade Runner. It's one of my favorite films. It's probably the movie I've watched more than 200 times. I've watched on the big screen, on the small screen, well, you everywhere. Watched it enough for the two of us. Yeah, I've watched all the versions. It's pretty infamous for all the, the versions out there. Director's cut, final cut, etc., etc. Snyder's cut. But I also have a very, very soft spot for John Carpenter's The Thing, which was Ooh, also released in 1982. It's and, the dog. And <laughs> <laughs> Don't spoil it, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a... 40-year-old movie. If you <laughs> haven't seen it, you're not going to watch it. Uh, which is my favorite horror film of the also, 80s. So I'm very, very, very cool. Help me, my friend. I, I need your help. I also, need your help, Obi-Wan okay. Kenobi. Tell me what I need to do. Wait, wait, wait. It's, it's the dog. <laughs> and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> For those that don't know the thing, it's about a group of researchers up in the Antarctic. They uncover a, a, um, a spaceship buried in, in the snow. They take some samples and soon <laughs> shit hits the fan. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those isolationist horror. It, it, it's, it's alien in Antarctica, mm -hmm. but it works. It's so good, which is also a remake from another movie from the 50s. No, no. Uh, I think that came from outer space. Uh, it's, a, it's a great movie, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, look, I'm... Uh, you I'm don't gonna, have to defend it. I mean, no, 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 I'm not, carpet I'm, that doesn't I'm, give I'm, a fuck. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's my favorite carpet film. It's my favorite horror film of the 80s. Uh, I think you should put in Blade Runner. You owe it to the guy. Like, if you watched it so many times. I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to go a little bit left field here. I'm going to go with the thing. Okay. I'll tell you why. When we... You hate dogs. <laughs> no, no. When at some point in the far future, we do episode 1990-82, which was the year that the uh, director's cut of Blade Runner was released and too many the 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 absolute the absolute best version of the film and the version that Ridley Scott prefers that's the year that probably Blade Runner will go in the nerd capsule okay All it right. wasn't it wasn't a movie that was made in 1982 but the director cut of Blade Runner that was released in 1992 okay. uh, it is the version that I first saw it is the movie that I fall in love it's a pretty there's quite a lot of differences from the 1982 version. Like, for example, the 1982 version has a narration, like a classic detective uh, noir narration. The director's cut doesn't have one, for example. And a few scenes that were missing from the 1982 version. So I'm going to go with the thing. John okay. Carpenter, you win this. I love you, man. 
I hope you get off video games and weed and start making movies again. You know, Why? You, you know he plays video. He loves video games. He loves them. Dude, how? He's like 17. He plays video games all day dude, long. Dude, how can you not love a guy who's like into his 70s and he <laughs> likes I, I love you, no, like no, no. video games and he likes think. You know what? It's motivated people that fucked is, up the earth. Is, like, give <laughs> me a lazy. I, I agree. I agree. Give I agree. me a lazy fuck over a highly motivated psychopath oh, yeah. <laughs> every day of the week. Right? I agree. John Carpenter, if you're listening to this, we love you, man. Keep on playing video games. Uh, and this was Nerd Capsule. So, final words. Uh, yeah, and uh, Michael. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, wait. And Michael Bay, if you're listening to this, Go fuck stop <laughs> making movies. You can play more video games. <laughs> please play more video games. And cut the please. cocaine. Please, please. It's bad for you. Um, we need to close the capsule. Okay. So, cue sound effect. Would you do the honors? Can you close the capsule for us? Wait. That's the uh, great. <laughs> that's me as a folia. So, <laughs> final famous words, <laughs> Mr. Psilidis. I love, uh, I love the nerd capsule. I love the vis the back, the blast from the past. I like the visiting. See, this is how I like my nostalgia in small <laughs> doses and not being uh, exploited by Disney. <laughs> this is how I like my nostalgia. <laughs> Uh, you know, we're in our, you know, um, we are in that age that uh, nostalgia, nostalgia works as a, some kind of bot- <laughs> chemical that uh, helps us survive. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, it's hurting us though because people are like, yeah. oh, stuff was so good when I was a kid, and you're like, no, no, no they, they weren't. weren't. Yeah, there were amazing yeah. stuff when you were a kid. There's amazing stuff today. We don't care about like, them, but you know, you thought up. you think there were amazing stuff because you were a kid and you didn't understand shit. <laughs> Plus, you know, it was kind of more amazing if you were white and straight. Oh, yeah, true. true so true. If, if you were, Much better wor- world now. Yeah, because if you were a woman or, you know, gay, it, the 80s were not a yeah, great Yeah, man, you had Grease too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, filmmakers didn't, studios didn't care about you. They released Grease too. Like, you know, that's all I need to Philadelphia say. Philadelphia <laughs> was like a decade away. Yeah, amazing movie. Uh, this was... Nerd Capsule, year 1982. Thank you, Mr. Kostandinos Psilides. You can find him on the Historicon podcast, the most important podcast in the Greek language. Thank you, Mr. Andreas Plaskiriagou. And very, very, very good luck to you with the, you. the next episodes. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Adios. Long, live long and prosper. Boom. Do you agree with our picks? Or do you think your own choices deserve the spot in our pop culture time capsule? Let us know via email at storyteller at splashscreen.online and we may share your choices with our listeners in the next episode. Nerd Capsule is recorded at Black Lemon TV with your host, Andreas Splash Guriagu, co-produced by Gigodobos Collaborative Hive and Splash Screen Entertainment. Thank you for listening.